In the words of AFL legend Paul Roos, here it is. Welcome to the Vietnam Swan's first ever Keep Honking podcast. My name is Billy Crang. I've been here a bit over 10 years now. I've played a bit of footy, I've socialised a lot, and I've met so many incredible humans through this footy club. I'll host the first episode and a few more going forward, but we hope that a few more guys around the club will jump in and share the hosting duties to keep things interesting. Why the name Keep Honking? Well, here in Vietnam, we've realised that whenever people want to show how much they love footy, they honk their horn. If you've ever crossed the road in downtown Saigon or Hanoi, you'll realise that a lot of people love footy. And why not? The Swans have a very proud history of building bridges between our own communities here in Vietnam, our roots back in Australia, our sister AFL Asia clubs, and many other corners of the world. Over time, this podcast will explore many of the members of our family and the great stories they have to tell. Before I welcome today's guest, I should note that we have done a run-through of this before, but due to technical difficulties, it never made it to air. That was two months ago in a different world, uh, pre-COVID-19. Never mind, let's see how attempt number two goes. For our first guest, we've gone straight to the top. The man who's just given the Swans two of the best on and off-field seasons in our club's history. He's brought some great enjoyment to the playing group and the results have followed. And he's also been an amazing asset to, to the committee off the field. He's got some great stories to tell from his past in football and also the rest of his life. So without further ado, welcome Rod Rocket White to our first ever podcast. Thanks, Billy. It's a pleasure to be here, although I feel a little bit embarrassed with all those very kind words. So, uh, but uh, yes, no, it's been, uh, it's been a hell of a journey so, so far for me in my first few years. And, Coming to you live from downtown Taipei in Taiwan, so where I'm uh, currently residing. That was my, my next point. Alongside Vietnam, Taiwan has been noted as one of the, uh, the best approaches to this coronavirus. How, how have things been over there for you? Me, I am like the, how would I say, definitely the odd man out. Um, <laughs> It took me a little while to come around to embracing the face mask, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the train. And in particular, the one I sort of struggled with was the pink face mask. And now I know a few of my colleagues and, and some of our fearless teammates, Bill, would say, given my fashion faux pas that I get <laughs> slayed a little bit with to the football club, how would I be struggling with a pink face mask? Well, for those cretins out there that give me shit about my dress sense without it without without fear or failure yes i was struggling with the pink but i finally come around now it's just trying to get the ensemble to match the shoes how are you going with that yeah the shorts the shoes and the the, the shorts and the and the cap and the sunnies you know how, how it all goes so me and my uh my indifferent dressing styles um so Beyond that, let's, let's jump back a few years to a more normal time. 2018 and 2019 were very memorable years for our, for our club. As the man at the helm overseeing uh, our Indochino Cup success, Asian Champ Division 2 win, 
Anzac Day game victories and some great home and away results. What have you taken away from coaching the Swans over the past two years? Uh, well, a lot, actually. I think, uh, you know, <laughs> like, like what, I, what I've come to realise is the Swans Football Club, even when I, so when I first rolled in the door at the start of 2017 and the first Anzac Day game, and I, obviously you were my contact point at that time in 2017. Um, well, we were, a little bit, we were a little bit all over the shop. You know, that's okay. You know, I wasn't expecting, you know, too much. And beers after training and like straight after training that would go for two, three, four, <laughs> ten hours. That, that was a little unusual for me. Um, uh, and then obviously leading up to the famous Anzac Day game, which I didn't know was such a phenomenal piece of the Swans calendar. Uh, but more importantly you telling me I probably wasn't good enough to get a game, so I probably have to miss the 2017 match. Hang on, hang on. I remember, I remember that, that vividly. On. That was uh, done that was on correct. behalf yeah. of the coach. On behalf of oh. the coach. So <laughs> so anybody, the coach under the bus. Yeah, and I'll do that. I doubt he's listening. <laughs> anybody I've ever given that spiel to, that was not my call. That was the cap- captain on behalf of the coach at the time. Right, okay. So, yeah. So, but then, uh, as I say, becoming, well, obviously, I actually probably started to get more involved towards the end of 2017 um, when I probably started to sort of step up the coaching side of it and helping Uncle Al out at that time because I could feel that he just needed some help, you know, so um, with his coaching endeavours. So, as I say, it was just more a case of just trying to put my hand up and help. But then, speaking of Caro, um, the Prez, and then obviously saying, you know, do you my interest in coaching 2018? And said, yeah, okay. Um, and then we struck an agreement, uh, me and me and the old fossil up there in Hanoi. And basically it said, look, if you look after all the on off-field stuff, I'll look after the on-field stuff, but I'll keep you informed of what's going on. And if we can operate that way, then I think we'll be okay. So, yeah, so basically, look, it was just, you know, Really, nothing, nothing, how do I say, out of the unusual. It was more a case of how do you get blokes aged between the age of 19 and 65 to get them all together on the same train, so on the same train, and get them to sort of uh, have a bit more, maybe a little bit more self-discipline, you know, whereas we're not playing for sheep stations, but certainly the boys were after a bit of success. Yep, and uh, I think everyone's appreciated it. In, in your... Uh your Swanee's coaching career, what would, you yeah. say, what would you say has been your best experience? Honestly, my best experience, I think, by far and away, uh, is seeing all the Vietnamese boys getting better. Yep. And well, not, only, not only that, but also I think, you know, and this is a story I've told maybe not, not too often before, but old Kevy, Kevy Wilkinson, our... our, our, our 65-year-old, fully-fledged pensioner of the club. And I remember we were, out, we were out down there in District 7 one day and we are doing a handball drill. And I said to Kevy, I said, listen, we're going we're gonna to go right hand and left hand. He goes, I can't have a left hand. <laughs> I said, Kevy, I said, maybe you misheard me, son. And I can't believe I've called him son because like, he's <laughs> six, you know, a few years older than me. I said, Kevy, I said, we're not going to stop this drill until you get it right. So everyone sort of got it right pretty much the second time round. Kevy, my God, there was, there was skin coming off people's knuckles 
because I had the handball so much because Kevy just couldn't quite get it right. And then old Twinkle Toes got it right. And, um, you know, and as I said, it's a case of persistence and, and just, as I said to all the boys, just come to training and just get 1% better every time you come to training. Don't worry about anyone else. But, and that's been, as I say, really enjoyable part of it. The wins along the way, mate, obviously they've been pretty, pretty good. And I think we've had some good wins. And I think uh, that that game last year, Anzac game last year, um, I think I said to you blokes, you know, I haven't shed a tear on a football field for 18 years or 17 years. And that was my last game when I played the premiership. I left my yeah. club uh, back in Victoria. And uh, to shed a tear that day, knowing who we're up against as a team, but the work that had gone in, the commitment by you, you blokes, you know, you with your spit lip and uh, for once in your life, you'd shut up and that was great. <laughs> and Mickey with his deformed wrist and, and uh, you know, Tar getting carried off on a, on a, on a back, back toilet door or something or other. <laughs> so like, you know, but playing in front of the, all the Anzac boys that, you know, the return diggers and stuff, that was pretty special, pretty special. Yeah. It was a great finish to a, to a great game. Um, yeah. So the, the flip side to that, um, feel free to add a bit of humour here if you don't want to get too dire because there might have been some dire moments. What, what's <laughs> been your worst or most difficult experience through the journey? Oh, the most difficult experience. Honestly, if I, if I was to be totally honest with you, mate, I, I don't think I've had a really bad, well, I haven't had a, a, a bad, bad experience. Um you know, some of those bus tours to Cambodia can be a bit hellish. <laughs> that was my next but, but, no, but, but, no but, but maybe players that, that won't follow the curfew rules. Yeah, no, well, but I think more a case of you've had a couple of sherbets on the Saturday night and then you're back on the sherbets oh, yeah. on the bus on the Sunday. But me being an experienced campaigner, Bill, I, I ensure that I've got a bus, a work trip there that I need to stay in a bit longer and, I yeah. get the big bird back, so I sort of do it in an hour rather than the, the seven hours on the way back. So, but yeah, no, some of those some of those trips can be a bit longer than tooth and those border crossings. My God, it's like Dad's army over there. You've got no idea what's going on, honestly. So, uh, so that sort of that's been an experience, and as I said, it's more the the, the trip or having blokes pull out, you know, the day before a game or the day of a game. A couple of boys pulled out for I think champs. But they didn't have their visas sorted, and, and you know, so uh, yeah, no, plenty, plenty, of, plenty of stories, Bill. But most of them aren't football related. Funnily enough, no. they're actually off, off the field. Yeah, funny that. Um, so you were <laughs> you were going to carry on and, and coach twenty twenty remotely, flying in. Yeah, I was. Yeah, absolutely committed from of, that. And what sort of planning had gone into that, and what were your your expectations coming into the season this year? Oh, well, I'd written the, oh, certainly in terms of the player's guide, what we'd got and the, and the game plan. So the game plan had shifted a little bit because um, it had to, because we were going to be playing better competition. So, and they were probably going to be uh, obviously a fairly reasonable opposition. I think every time we played this time. So the game plan had been tweaked a little bit primarily uh, in terms of training and things like that and getting support crew on the ground. That obviously had to change, and then my travel schedule getting back to Vietnam. So, was was obviously once every sort of six weeks was the target to try and be there for a week. So, which would get maybe three sessions of in in when I would be there. So, 
that was sort of what had been planned. Um, and then trying, obviously, as well, go up to Hanoi and help the Hanoian boys out up there with a bit of structure as well in terms of... And following, I guess, what we do in the south, what we were sort of... What I was building towards in the south and then sort of trying to mimic that in the north um, and giving some guides to the guys up there. So... Uh, and then obviously, you know, all the travel to get to the games and stuff. So that was never going to be a problem. Was fully committed to those. And um, obviously some of the functions we've got, you know, again, which obviously we know is our big AFL grand final function, which hopefully, again, we'll still have this year. Um, a bit of a later date, obviously, for, for everybody. But hopefully still have that function because that's obviously a, a key function for both the, the north and the south and a chance for us to sort of raise some money for the club, but then also give our sponsors our invaluable sponsors a bit of airtime as well. So, yeah, so that was sort of the the, the, the current plan. And um, let's see if we can get some... I think it's going to be difficult, mate, this year for any footy, I think, yeah. you know, uh, given the way the borders are resting and some of the information reading out of the... the uh, certainly Vietnam and Taiwan, you know, this, this uh, isolation period is still in play and... I think at best, you know, we're talking October as, yeah. as the earliest to get into Vietnam, for example. So it's what I'm hearing. So AFL Asia haven't yet thrown in the towel. The, the champs are officially pending. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on if there did come an opportunity in November or December to play a champs? How do you see that going? Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I think... It would certainly provide an opportunity for us, a great opportunity for us, <laughs> uh, I think. It would probably be, and, and, and again, I think the, for, the, for the clubs that probably are better organised, and, and I think, again, I don't know them all that well, but when I say look at, and I follow a couple of the clubs on Facebook, so when I'm looking at the likes of, say, Indonesia, right, and what Ricky's got, got what he's got going on over there, the Cambodian crew, although a few of the Aussies have actually left Cambodia, mm. so and a few of their organisers, but I think there's still a few bodies there around for the Cambo guys. So although they'd be Division Two, and obviously we're up in Division One, so you know the likes of the the Hong Kong guys getting out and about, and the Singaporeans getting out and about. I just wonder how many are still there, how many have been impacted by, without getting too serious, but the, you know that we're going to come into a recession as well. So. Mm. A global recession. So, yeah, I think we'd actually be pretty good. Actually, we'd be we'd be half a chance to maybe finish in the top four of the of the Division One comp. Yep. Well, let's hope. Let's hope something comes together for everyone's sake. Um, yeah, because I think someone like a Jimmy B would be back. I reckon they'll be able yep. to twist his arm and the the the, the, the human pest that he is. Um, and then I think the Grouch is still obviously in Saigon as well. And then we've picked up a couple of recruits up there. Boom recruits up there and. Uh, in the in the uh, north and um, both with no hair and with hair, so um, yeah, so I think we'd be going okay. So a quick uh, a quick LinkedIn stalk tells me that uh, professionally you've spent the best part of your career with Imperial Brands Tobacco, and that you've done some stints in Australia, South Korea, England, and now throughout Asia. Uh, tobacco marketing to me uh, gives me visions of the Mad Men TV series. But can you tell us a little bit more about your your day to day professional life or your life outside outside Asian footy? 
well, Bill, if you watch Mad Men, you are very much barking up the right tree. Because uh, uh, that's exactly how it operates in my world. So, except for the fact that I'm a non-smoker. So, so and never been a smoker. Um, so, so, yeah, no, there's never a dull moment in my industry. <laughs> and even more so when you're a non-smoker. But, geez, I tell you what, it makes for fantastic barbecue conversations. Yeah. So, you know, um, if I, I had that, that old story now, if I had a dollar for every time I asked me, what job yeah. do you do and why don't you smoke? Cause I tell you what, oh, oh, it's the other way around. How do you sleep at night? Oh, yeah. And I'm, you know, and I'm not making light of the situation, but again, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's an adult's choice in, 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 the, um, in the industry I work in. It's a sensitive topic as well um and I, I to be honest with you and i can't probably say too much because otherwise i don't want to you know be the be the, the the bone of too many jokes of other people out there but uh um let's say this from on a more serious note when it comes to governance we have to be one of the cleanest companies going around globally so we're a FTSE top 30 company um but in terms of governance and, and, and legislation and what we have to put through to the government around the world, yeah, we're very, very clean. So in terms of, you know, having to do the right thing and stuff like that, because we are interrogated regularly by the regulators, All which right. is fair enough. Hopefully, hopefully kept your, kept your gig for kept a couple me. more years. Um, so <laughs> tell us, tell us how did you end up traveling around so much with work and, and, how did how did Vietnam pop into the picture? Uh, well, yeah. Look, when I left, well, I think it's like most people we talk about this earlier offline, where you know I'm going to come to Vietnam just for a holiday or a visit for a few months, and then I'll, I'll hopefully maybe find a job somewhere. Similar to me from Sydney, um, I was obviously involved. I'd moved from Victoria to Sydney, and I was associated playing under the. Uh, which most AFL Asia courts will know this man uh, and AFL um, lovers. I was, uh, I was assistant coach to the very, uh, very, what's the word, outlandish, high-flying, blonde bombshell, Troy Luff. Because uh, Luffy is, is from down my way originally, from Gippsland, but I didn't know, know Luffy till I'd moved to, to Sydney uh, when he was coaching at Belmain. Uh, and then oh, he moved across to the University of New South Wales and uh, I went with him uh, over, over there. So so being in Sydney and then I got a, the, the offer to move to South Korea for nine months uh, just to check it out. And then nine months turned into two and a half years. Yeah. And uh, then it was time to go home. And um, my boss at the time back in Australia said, no, there's a job back here in Australia, but I want you to take this job in the UK. So I ended up going to the UK and that was... Four years in the in the in the global office, amazing times over there. Shite weather, ridiculous weather. UK just putrid in terms of weather, to be honest. And then, um, yeah, they had the opportunity to sort of either be based in the Middle East after that, which probably wasn't ideal at the time. Moscow after that, and having been to Moscow once, I remember watching an AFL Grand Final from my hotel room. In the, in the dead centre of Moscow, and I had to check in. So, in, you, you know, you walk in the hotel room, uh, hotel foyer, lobby, and I had to walk through a bloody security scan. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know if this is for me, this place. Makes me a little nervous. Yeah. 
so so that was my experience and then uh, and then the opportunity to come close at home back to vietnam and i'd been to vietnam back in 2005 and yeah and hadn't touched a football for the best part of jeez seven years so yeah so to become back involved it was fantastic loved every second of it so um and then happily you know we're there for a few years and obviously yes changes again with the office with the companies so now it's i want for a few years so yeah fair enough nice um so you touched a little bit on almost you could say the end of your involvement in afl in australia could you could you wind the clock way way back and uh go through some of your early days in footy and your your, your evolution through the game um, easy, easy, Bill. It wasn't that long ago, was it? Ah, uh, I would say black and yeah. white TV, but I think it might have predated TVs. No, I think black and white TV was actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my fondest memory was colour television. Yeah. Um, so uh, colour television and phones that you would like die the like the push oh, yeah. button. Yep, yep. You know those ones. So that, that was that was sort of the, the times of when I was there. But uh, no, started country boy. A uh, good country boy down there in Latrobe Valley in Victoria. So playing with a local club. Um, didn't mind playing a bit of... I was a bit of a, an all-rounder with the sports. So I didn't mind a bit of tennis in the morning and, and probably can let this out of the let this cat out of the bag now, given I've touched up Gus in, on the tennis court enough times for him to hopefully nearly retire now. That's uh, Angus McEwen for the usual out there. We used to play a fair bit of tennis and... Thought he could. Then Trent Davies wanted to have a crack, and he was no good. And then, and then Chuck Berry wanted to have a crack, and he was no good either. So, if anyone's out there listening that wants to have a hit that based in Asia, that I can sort of have at least half a whack with uh, on the court. Just give us a, give us a shout. Yeah. So tennis was a. I used to play tennis or cricket in the morning, and then, uh, and then maybe tennis or cricket in the afternoon in in, in winter. Sorry, in summer. And then uh, footy, obviously, in, in the winter. So since I was about four years old. So I loved the game. And then started playing open-age footy about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So and against the blokes. Blokes like, yeah, I'm going to just we'll show my age now, Bill. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so at that time, we were probably some of the bigger names going around was um, Joffa Cunningham from St Kilda. He was yep. coach of one of the clubs. And his brother, Daryl Cunningham, and Leon Baker, the ex-Essendon Premiership player, were coaching another club. David O'Keefe, ex-Geelong, was coaching another club. Merv Nagel was coaching up there, Sale at the time. Um, a guy called Ken Rainsford, Lachlan Sim, was ex-Brisbane Bears. He was coached at Morwell. Stephen Carey, ex-Essendon. So the league at the time I was playing, a really, really sharp, sort of high cash being thrown around and a lot of ex-AFL blocks. So coming as a 16-year-old and Getting beaten up around the ears by these blokes was a pretty was a pretty sharp learning experience for someone uh, someone my age. So yeah, so that was a, a pretty rude way. Although I used to get paid, I think it was about I think it was something silly like I think it was forty bucks a game at the time. So yeah, as a sixteen, which was as a sixteen year old, I thought that, that's that's great money for like a bag of mixed lollies yeah. down at the old uh, down at the old milk bar. So that that yeah. went well. So. Um, so yeah, so I played a lot. Obviously, a lot of footy down there, and then um, uh, moved to Melbourne when I was. Oh, I tried at it. So I had a brief stint at Collingwood. Like a brief try at Collingwood, no good, rubbish there. 
They did a pre-season at Danny Nong in the VFA was around. That was pretty hard work, but it was um, it was sort of like that was twelve hours a week in the car just to train and play long, a, a pretty long, and just started uni. So go that the chop, just focus on school and realise my dream of being the next uh, Lee Matthews was never going to happen. <laughs> and then um, and then yeah, ended up sort of when I moved to Melbourne, I actually tried out at Heidelberg Footy Club in Diamond Valley. Played there, and uh, at the time, uh, bloody Brian Wilson, the 1983 Brownlow medalist. Now, that's a man close to your heart, being a Melbourne boy. He was the president at the time. Yeah. He's president. So I met this guy, Brian Wilson, as a 23-year-old, 24-year-old. And uh, as you can imagine, a bloody bigger ego... A, a, a bigger ego than the bloody CBD postcard, right? Like it, it was massive, <laughs> and uh, and went round and sort of negotiating a contract and all this, and then signed the contract and sort of who you got playing and this and that. Money was just off the charts, right? So I'd sort of moved from forty dollars a game to like six fifty a game, right? Yep. And, that, and that was like eight years, eight years, nine years later. So so it was crazy. I thought it was crazy money. And I remember my first game. Now, you may or may not remember, and hopefully some people will, but a bloke called John Burke. He was a big Collingwood six foot six full forward slash ruckman. Yep. He had a day out one day at the old Lakeside Oval there in Melbourne where he he knocked over the umpire, then jumped the fence, <laughs> bashed the spectator, then jumped yep, back yep. over the fence. Yep. And then ended up getting I don't know, a pretty lengthy suspension, I remember, if I remember correctly. Yep. Anyway, so he'd been recruited. He'd finally had his suspension <laughs> sort of taken off. And I remember I was in the forward pocket and he was lining up at full four. I remember before the game, he's punching the living... We had a punching bag. We used to do boxing, right? And he's punching the living suitcase out of this bag before the game. And <laughs> that wasn't my style when I played. I'd just sort of just sit in the corner, relax, with the feet up on the seat, whatever, lie down pretty relaxed. And so he's up and about and he's, come on, Rocket, give him this back bag and punch it <laughs> in. And I'm thinking, no. And he goes, come on. And I'm like, he's yelling at me again. I was like, just, I better get up here. So I've got up here and I'm starting to punch. And he's going harder than that. So I'm thinking, of course, I'm going to be knackered before I get out there. Anyway, and he goes, that's the boy. He said, yes, you know, and he's tearing above me, right? He's got that barred acne all over his face. He's not a real good looking, not a good looking rooster, but still a big man. And very intimidating. And he said, look, if anyone comes near you today, don't you worry. I'll be right behind you to back you up. And so I've run out thinking, geez, I'm buddy. Could run through brick walls on this platform side. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out he gets reported in the first quarter uh, for striking and gets four weeks. So so that was sort of uh, my initiation at Holabur before I did my knee. I did a media ligament about halfway, three quarters away to the year. So, but I only played about you know, that one year there and ended up thinking, you know what, maybe I can just sort of go back with a few of the boys from Churchill were, were travelling back and forth from, um, from Melbourne. So yep. we ended up having a few of us, three or four of us head back and play back in the bush. We did that travelling up and back for probably four or five years, so, which was a bit of fun. And up until when, and this is, uh, I should say this very nicely, but my current employer, I'd actually moved to Sydney Mm. Um, with four games to go. It was my final year. Four games of home and away games to go and plus finals. And they said, we've got this job in Sydney. We want you to take it. 
And I said, oh, there's only one catch. I said, you've got to, can you fly me back so I can play footy? And uh, lo and behold, they agreed that I could fly back on a Thursday afternoon, Thursday lunchtime, (laughs) get to the office, Uh grab a company car, pick up a couple of my mates. We'd drive down to training, train on the Thursday night. We'd drive back to Melbourne. I'd work the day in Melbourne on a Friday. We'd head back down to the bush on Saturday morning, the four of us. We'd play again on Saturday. Yeah, they go to a club function, come back Sunday, and I'd fly back to Sydney Sunday afternoon. Oh. So, so, and then we ended up, we won, the, and they said we won the flag that year. So, and I was, my body was a bit busted. So, uh, I was sort of hanging in there, you know, just to make sure I could get through. And yeah, so that was a, that was a pretty, that was a pretty fond memory. Pretty fond memory. So that's your, that's your junior footy club? Getting, getting to a That's team. my junior footy club. Yeah, I played a couple hundred senior games down there with them. And that was, you know, lucky to do that and in different we changed leagues as well at that time we were getting smashed you know i think i played my first 100 games or i reckon our no, first 70 games i reckon i reckon i won about eight nine yeah, right. yeah. you know hard hard going hard going so but good learnings right like geez i tell you she's just some good learnings of cold and mud and <laughs> just shit shit ass yeah so so did you play much footy in sydney after that or well, more. yeah, funnily enough, well, yeah, I played because obviously we're on a few of the in Sydney where they played the Belmont Tigers, we played at the Dremont Oval there where they play district cricket. So the deck was beautiful, and I lived in Belmont. And um, I met I met one of the boys at the pub by chance. And he said, Come down to training, you know, and just said, Right, I'll come down for a look. And then little did I know that obviously Luffy was coach at the time. and Met a couple of other interesting characters at the time at the football club. I didn't know who I didn't know much about, but are now still lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. And um, and the deal was is that the boys really didn't like playing the Luffy that too much. They left that for the young blokes to play. And this is when the boys were still playing at SCG. They played Curtain Raisers yep. uh, before the Swans. So in the Sydney AFL. So um, but the boys said, "No, nah, look, that's too serious for us. We just put the old boys together." Luffy's rules were, if you don't train twice a week, you don't get picked for the seniors. And the old boy went fantastic. Let's just train one <laughs> night a week and we'll have a really strong two side. Yeah. So we did that and we got we made all the way through to the primary final. And mind you, my first game though, <laughs> my first game, similar to, it was a similar experience to the Vietnam Swans. <laughs> and that I started in the reserves on the bench for Belmain, right? Yeah. And I was the last bloke brought on right, uh, in my first game with the Swans playing under an alias, right? I was playing under another guy's name. Still in. And uh, yeah, I was still in at the time. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, by the end of the year, so this was about halfway through the year and I sort of got down at the train. By the end of the year, I'd redeemed myself and managed to actually get a starting gig in the guts. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, after being last man on, so after three pretty pretty ordinary, three good ordinary players ahead of me, but then uh, yeah, getting my ass on there. So yeah, fond memories, good times. Yeah, good times in beautiful conditions to play up there. The grounds are great, and mm. you know, reasonable competition as well. So you know, good. It was good times, really good times. All right, um, jumping back, way way back into the present day again. Um, the here in Vietnam, for the Swans, our, our grand final party is the, it's not just the cornerstone of our, our social calendar, it's actually the cornerstone of our club. The funds that we raise at that event, 
um, are basically everything. They enable our club to do everything we do. Uh, without those sort of funds, we would be leaning a lot more heavily on our, on our playing group who have different levels of, of means and it would be a struggle. They enable us to do a lot of community support things with orphans, helping with swimming schools. So uh, in your early years here, our grand final party had actually been through a couple of tough years, some break-evens, some very small profits. So what that means for our club is that we were slowly uh, eroding through some of the good work that we'd done in years gone by. And the fear yeah. would be that, you know, we can't really secure our club. We can't afford tournaments at times and things like that. that they were the things that we were looking down the barrel of. Uh, so in two, 2018, you, uh, you did show up at, at a committee meeting and mentioned that you'd be able to get a friend of yours, Mary Watt, one of uh, Australia's top radio personalities, to the grand final party. It seemed a little bit far-fetched at the time and it, and it got worse, but can you tell us a little bit about how, how you know uh, Mez and how that, how that came to be? Yeah, um, yeah, going into too much detail, I, I came across Mez at a brothel in Sydney. <laughs> we were actually getting some work done. No, 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 only joking. He'd kill me for saying that and his wife would as well. So, yeah. but that would be something that he would say to start things off. But actually, just going back just before I tell you that story about, about how I met uh, that, that, that twit Merrick Watts from uh, American Rosso, um, you said about the grand final parties. And I remember my first grand final party I went to at that place down on Long uh, Le, uh, Lee Lai. Uh, Lai. Yep, yep. Yeah. That was my first one. And you said about yep. what about sort of bad memories of the football club that I had. And if these two blokes ever listen to this podcast, I tell you, it was frightening. It's in, in, uh, indented into my mind for the rest of my life. And that was Chris Salmon and Dave Barbler, Disco Dave yep. and Chris, up in the cage with just their <laughs> jocks on, doing manoeuvres with each other that I just think are um, indescribable to the human eye. So, so you can't unwatch that stuff. You know what I mean? Like you just, you, you can't unwatch it. So, that was pretty frightening. Um, so, so that was sort of a bad thing. But that was my first grand final, and there's wine going everywhere. There was extra wine. I don't know. It was an interesting event. Let me say that. Um, but yeah, in terms of Merrick and my my friendship with Merrick, uh, yeah, I've known known Mez. Met Mez in 2003, actually, when I was at Sydney, when I went to Belmain. And um, oh, he's a mad Collingwood player and he thinks he's as good as Peter Moore <laughs> was or, or Dane Swan. Or, like, and honestly, he's a spastic. He's no good. He, he can't play the game. Yeah, well, he trained. That's right. You saw him. He trained with the Swans when he came up, right? So not to say that he's not a okay, ripping fella. Okay. He's, he's a great man. He's a great man. But probably... Um, I forget the phrase. What is it? It's 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 you know capability, like you know, in terms of reality versus yeah. dreamland. And and unfortunately, for Mez, as much as I love the man, he's in dreamland when it comes to football skills. So, um, but he's super fit. Loves his loves staying fit. But so he was involved at Belmain, and um, and I when I met him, I actually didn't know who he was. It took me a few weeks actually to understand who he was. So I didn't know who he was um, and uh, yeah, we, we just sort of bumped into each other actually in the change room. So we just started asking some questions or whatever, who I was and 
And he sort of said, I'm a comedian. And I said, oh, <laughs> shit, jeez, I'm sure you're probably short of a few bucks because you're probably not making too much money because you're not that funny, right? And, really and again, funny. this is 2003 and I didn't know who the hell they were. And it turns out that they're sort of number one breakfast radio in Sydney on Nova at the time with American Rosso. So, yeah, so that was a, a, an interesting start. And then sort of I figured out who he was probably five weeks after that when I got invited to a, to a corporate box at the SCG to watch some footy and said, oh, how are we getting the tickets and who do we owe for the money for the tickets? And oh, no, I got it covered. And I thought, oh, okay, he's not a bad bloke. Then he's going okay. And then you get there and there's all these people, you know, autographs and photos and stuff. And I realised, <laughs> okay, so I uh, did a bit of Googling and, okay, right, that's him. So anyway, so yeah, and it turns out we ended up living close to each other as neighbours. So yeah, so so we've stayed in contact over the, over the journey. Um, as I say, we talk a lot about footy. Spoke to him um, last week, actually. Uh, as I say, a lot about footy and family and stuff. He's a good family man and some of his sort of other stuff he's got going on. And in terms of him coming to football that year to host the show, I'd asked him about, it would have been about June. Yep. And I said, mate, he's, a, as I said, mad Collingwood man. I said, let's be honest. I said, what's he? I said, Collingwood's pretty shit this year, mate. I said, you, you're literally, you're, you're sitting 16th or 15th or something and the likelihood of you making the eight is, is pretty unlikely. Buckley nearly was so was, 17. Buckley was yeah. born on five. So, yeah. 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 I, I was, so, I was, Buckley was on the way out. So, and he goes, and he loves, he's got a real strong association with Vietnam. He travels up there with George and the kids. So, very frequently, been seven or eight times. So, they really love Vietnam. And he said, yeah, no, for sure. I said, maybe come up and maybe we can do a, a comedy gig while you're here or whatever and, and, and you know, help with the Swans profile a bit. So, um, anyway, so he'd committed back in June and, you know, one week leads into the next and finals come around and Collingwood finished fourth or fifth or something or other in the finals series. I'm thinking, shit, this isn't uh-huh. good. And Anyway, gets the, gets the preliminary final week uh-huh. and I remember talking to the committee and going, geez, do we have a backup plan here, boys? I said, if Collingwood make it, we're in strife. And um, gets to, gets, no chance. Yeah, so this is preliminary final week. Yeah. It's half time. We're having a few beers oh, with you and Gus and, and uh, the flappers in there and, and Mr. Powell and, you know, uh, Damo. And we're sort of thinking, she's calling up by four goals here. Yeah. So I've messaged Mez. I said, hey, mate, I said, if Collingwood gets up here, are we. Are we in a bit of strife for next weekend, Grand Final Day? And he goes, oh, it's too right we are. Yeah. <laughs> See, because we're in huge, we're in huge strife. We'll have to have a chat. Anyway, Collingwood won, right? And into play West Coast the week after. Yeah. And, um, and true to his word, though, and, and this is one thing, you know, in terms of, uh, I guess, true friendship, you know, um, he came up, you know, he stuck to yeah. it. As mad as I remember him being on the project on the Monday night where the yeah. grand final week he was on the project with him and Peter Hellier and Peter Hellier is one of his best mates and, and they've known each other for years and he's a good man as well and Hellier said to him, you know, uh, what's are you, uh, got, got your tickets ready for the grand final this week? He goes, um, no, I won't be going to the game this week. <laughs> what? What do you mean? He goes, no, no, I'll be going to help uh, some underprivileged children who, you know, who are missing legs and all this sort of stuff in Vietnam. Oh, what do they need? They don't need me up there, do they? You know what? They, they, anyway, joking, all joking around. He came up, made the effort, was there for the week, um, trained with the boys, uh, yep. did the show from the Thursday night, um, yep. was there 
played uh, played uh, golf on the Friday. Uh, was rubbish uh, at golf, and um, yeah, um, did mention the golf Saturday. Was, golf was another uh, business Australian business community event, also helping correct some other causes. So so he literally yeah. went day, day by day. Every day he was here, was doing incredible yeah. stuff for the Australian community at this. Oh, end. amazing stuff. Yeah, um, amazing stuff. So the only I tell you what, but I tell you what, he was like though when Collingwood lost by that kick. Oh yeah, he was just genuinely inconsolable, right? Yep. And, yep. and as I said, you maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, just maybe for one of our future podcasts, I, I can try and get him on. Talk and, about that moment. And, and, oh, that's if he wants to talk about it, because honestly, he was he was like the schoolboy, right? Yeah. Who, who would who'd been barred from going outside. He was in bed at my joint that night, 8 o'clock. Yeah. And I said, come on, what's he? Let's go out in the sauce. Let's go oh, and have a couple of beers, celebrate. Oh, there's nothing to celebrate. There's nothing to celebrate. Yeah. Bloody Collingwood, you know. So, uh, but as I say, in terms of what he did for the club that year, it was, uh, yeah, it was over and above. It was over and above. Yeah, to have, his, to have his heart ripped out, all eyes were on him at that event too. So 300 people just watching to see what he'll do next. We didn't care yeah. about the footy, the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would, have, it would have been a tough situation. But that, that was the beginning for our... Uh, the, the re-beginning uh, for our club in terms of being able to really put ourselves in a, a super healthy position to do the things that we want to do as a club uh, throughout the coming year, coming years. That's local development, supporting charities, running events, yeah. being, being able to, to safely know that we can go and you know invest in in all the things we do, from playing footy right on down. Um, and that's really good, though, Bill, because I think what we've got a good alignment on is, you know, the, the guys in Hanoi, though, we don't train, can't get to train together. We don't see each other. You know, the northern, the northern boys up there and, and obviously the southern boys, but there's still some really good harmony, and that, that bond is being strengthened every year, I think, you know, as well with the northerners. And we try and, you know, link up as many times as we can, but at least try and run some simultaneous functions as well. Uh, and, and again, putting it back into the, the Vietnamese community. Yep. And um, just on a quick aside, 2020 might be the year that all our footy goes domestic. So that, uh, yeah. that double base footy club is uh, going to be an absolute godsend. Somewhere True that. Go and play home and away games and play with some different squads. And so let's, let's watch that through the back half of the year. Now, in, uh, in 2019, you, uh, you did it again. You were able to bring us... Uh, I guess with the success of 2018, we kind of needed something to, you know, to, to, to fill that void or to, to keep that momentum up. And you were able to get uh, AFL legend Peter Schwab up. How, how were you able to do that? Uh, again, a similar situation. We're in a brothel in Melbourne this time. <laughs> no, 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 not. No, I can't say that because Peter, he's actually a very, very good man, Peter Schwab. And, uh, a very astute man. He even bought statistics to our grand final party <laughs> regarding winning margins, would you believe? Yeah. So he'd done all this homework on winning margins. And I guess yep. that's the coaching side coming out of a school teacher as well, yep. uh, coming out of him and, and going through all these statistics about where you should be positioning or the, the highest chance in terms of winning margins over grand finals. Fascinating, right, in terms yeah. of talking to a ex, not only player, but, but assistant coach that Ken Judge then was the senior coach, then was a list manager. I think he was the list manager of Brisbane. Um, or umpires director as well at some point, although he got a bit of a raw, raw, raw time there. Yeah. Uh, 
but again, you know, absolutely spoke really well, some really good stories as well, and was really keen to to hear more about the Vietnamese players and their stories and how we're trying to grow the game in Vietnam. So, so much so to a point that he sort of said if any of the Vietnamese boys came down to Melbourne that he'd love to, you know, wow. get, get him involved with his coaching. So, which was really kind of him. Yep. You know, in terms of offering that. So, but Peter uh, is again... Uh, a contact of a, a pretty much a friend of a friend to be honest so who's a mad Hawthorne man but he's known Peter for I think about 30 years so um, him and his wife Jen uh, and he just wanted he's one of his best mates he just wanted to get up here and I said and he, as I say I met him through my network uh, mate of mine called Anthony and um, I said oh you know we're thinking about doing this do you reckon you got any ideas he goes I'd love Schwabby to come up you know and and see if, you know, get up here early, maybe take you guys for training if, if, if possible or do a sportsman's night. But it certainly can part of connections. So the, the gear that he was able to bring up for us to be able to auction off, which, as you know, yeah. Bill, you know, for us, that's, that's probably the, life, the lifeblood of how we can, can obviously make some, some sort of good funding. Um, you know, that was, that was really important for us. So... Uh, um, but again, and as I say, I, I think if the time come or we needed to sort of get some support, it's, it's great to keep those relationships flurrying. And again, you know, it could be something that maybe we get Peter on here at some point in time and have a chat. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I've, um, I've just turned your video off as uh, either the Vietnamese or Taiwanese internet's just struggling a touch. Um, yeah, that's all right. No just problem. So, you know, uh, so, so who are we... What are the options for 2020? You mentioned the grand final and talking like late October, now there's a chance. Uh, yeah. Who have you got up your sleeve this year? Pending, uh, well, pending international travel. Yeah, I reckon that's the big thing, right? Yeah. So I reckon this is the double-edged sword. And the reason why I say that, mate, is you'll have people that'll be dying to get out of Australia on a holiday. <laughs> and what better place to come to than Vietnam? So, yep. you know... Um, funny you say that because I was, and I know I'm going to probably get a hit shot down here for saying this, but I was thinking someone who is probably slightly controversial, uh, doesn't need the cash, doesn't mind a hit of golf, and may struggle for a gig grand final week given some of his recent uh, media stuff. So I was thinking, not Alan Jones, no, no, not Alan Jones, but maybe, maybe dream big, Sammy Newman. Oh, it's okay. So what would the path be to uh, try and make that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't figured that out yet. I've got a couple of options up my sleeve, but, but, but I don't want to give away just yet. Uh, but as I dare say, a, a difficult get, but a man yeah. who loves his not, golf. Not impossible. Um, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, now we're talking podcasts. I've actually listened to his... Uh, Effectively, it's a grumpy old men podcast with him, Don Scott, and Mike Sheen, and they're getting some incredible guests on. So he's he's doing some good work still, Sammy, and would be absolutely yeah. amazing up here in Vietnam. He would love it. Yeah, no, 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 hundred percent for sure. So, um, but failing that, yeah, look, um, yeah, no idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, keen listeners might have noticed a couple of. Uh, Cans cracking open in the background during this podcast. I've been working my way through a couple of uh, Winking Seal cream ales, and I came across the the old Winking Seal craft beer via via our coaches 
fairly consistent Facebook uh, spam sharing of, of basically any news coming out of Winking Seal. Winking Seal are a, uh, a startup craft brewery here in, in Vietnam. Tell us, Rocket, why are, you, why are you sharing all these posts? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the company. Just helping out a friend, Bill. Just helping out a friend. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you've, you've worked, no. I assume you've worked, oh yeah, go on. No, no, no. Look, I, you know, uh, I, I, I'm into uh, into business and business opportunities. So uh, I'm always on the lookout for something that may be of interest, and this caught my interest. So, uh, so without going into too many gory details, um, it's something that uh, it's a it's a little bit of a side project to, to support these guys and help them out. And uh, you know, if we can break even. Uh, made a couple of bucks along the way, you know, just a, just a bit of fun on the, on the, on the way. Okay, so uh, yeah, the cream ale's done well tonight. Uh, the, the, the cream ale will blow your head off. That's no, the one eye IPA that's that's blown my head off a couple of times in isolation. Uh, it's about a 10 percent. Um, I think it's 10.3. Yeah, so that one that one lets you know about it, especially your missus when when you're locked in a small apartment. <laughs> For the night. Have you noticed? Have you noticed the design of the can, Bill? It's actually designed like an optometrist. Uh, yeah, yep, I have, I have. All, all of the so, design, design stuff's great on all the cans. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit of a test for the one eye that actually gives you a one eye, and then starts to say, "Hang on, my vision Mate, probably I'm... not as good as it was when I had my first one, and when I'm in my third one." So that second or third can, there's no, there's nothing to test. It's way too far gone. <laughs> no, it's a good brew. It's yeah, a good brew. Stuff. It's a good. It's a good little. As I say, it's uh, it's good to sort of help them out uh, in a small way, um, and uh, appreciate uh, you know you made a couple of purchases along the way. A few yeah. of the boys actually are doing that, so yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yep, and it's um, it is great to see what the company's doing via your Facebook. So anyone who. Uh... Who wants to stay in touch? Either follow Rocket on Facebook or go straight to the source. Look up Winking Seal, and, and they are doing a lot of unique stuff. Um, moving along, uh, I, I'd say we've talked for a long time, we. Yeah, that happens. Uh, you're not you're not the tallest bloke, so can you explain to me? Oh, how here we go. How your nephew, Jack White, <laughs> came to the and in fact, captain. This was last season. Uh, one of the greatest college basketball lineups of all time. The the most uh, top 10 pick college squad. Uh, he's still on the college squad. Can you tell us how, how he came to be on the, the Duke squad and uh, what that's been like? Uh, obviously, Bill growing up as, you know, as he, Jack is my, my nephew and not to be mistaken with Jack White, who was the lead singer and guitarist of the White right. Stripes, who were yep. also a very good band. Um, no, Jack uh, watched his uncle play a lot of sport growing up as a kid. <laughs> um, I moved away from sort of the region. It was about sort of when he was, I think, oh, God, maybe, what were they? Four, no, five or six. I used to go home every Christmas and dunk over them in the backyard and stuff like that. So now he's sort of six foot seven, six foot eight. That doesn't happen that often these days. So, but he's uh, very, very lucky and very fortunate to be part of that uh, uh, probably iconic uh, and they're a bit like Collingwood I guess in some way because my, my 
last two visits to the US these last past two years to watch him play, um, I feel like it, the supporters out there, the fans, they either love Duke to death or they absolutely despise them. Yep. Um, and, and that comes through very, very clearly when you go and watch them when they play away. Um, because they, and even just watching, following social media, it does feel like it is the Collingwood of the, of the college basketball scene for sure. So coached by the, uh, the ex-Dream um, Team coach and a guy called Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. He's been coaching him there. I think he's coached three, three Olympic teams, I think. Um, obviously, a couple of gold medals in amongst that, if not all three gold medals, certainly two of gold medals were where he's been involved. And I think he was yep. obviously had the pleasure to coach Kobe Bryant um, and Shaq and those guys in, in some of those um, Olympic dream teams. Wow. Um, and so, yeah. And then obviously, you know, the, the 2018, 2019 season uh, where Jack was first of all named captain for the first year uh, in his, in his junior year. Yep. Um, and yeah, that to be fortunate enough for those that follow basketball, but uh, to play alongside Zion Williamson, so who was number one, the NBA pick, and RJ Barrett, who was number three, went to New York, yep. Zion to the New Orleans Pelicans, and another guy called Cam Reddish, who went to either the, I think it was the Atlanta Hawks. Yep. So, so, so really lucky, and, and you know, it is, and it's funny, they don't get paid. The coach is, I think he's on, I think the coach is reportedly on about six million US a year. The players don't get paid a cent, um, but obviously their scholarships are probably upwards of, I don't know, they, they get treated like rock stars over there with all the latest sort of gear and, and training facilities and stuff. So, um, incredible experience for, for Jack. And then, you know, Jack was able to, to send me some autograph memorabilia. Um, of the of the playing group last year, and for us to come back and sell that, and I let him sort of know that you know we'd made sort of something like around two thousand US with some of the gear that that he'd helped us get signed and get back here, and some of that you know, obviously would go and support some of the local development, but also the club as well in terms of us staying afloat. So he was really 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 wrapped with all that. So um, yeah, so incredibly lucky kid, really incredible experience. He's just graduated this year and. Um, it has, it hasn't been all smooth sailing for him, that's for sure. He's had to work pretty hard, you know, yeah. to, 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 to be there and, and get game time and a lot of these, what they call one and done. So in for one season, out once for one season. But um, now it's sort of a case where, where's he play next year? So are you back? Uh, I think potentially, I hope I'm not giving anything away, but I think Possibly the Perth Wildcats, uh, maybe Melbourne United or the Cairns Taipans, I think, potentially back in the NBL yep. if, he, uh, if he can't get a contract in the US. So, um, so yeah, so look, as I say, family is super proud. Um, really lucky, you know, really lucky kid to have the opportunity and lifetime yep. memories. And now he's graduated from university this year with a, with a scholarship as well. I mean, with a scholarship, with a degree, yep. which I think, you know, at Duke University... Uh, headline on your on your uh, degree paper is, is pretty significant. So hopefully, um, you know that sets him up and and for the rest of the life, rest of his life, and um, he has a good career, you know, for the next sort of ten, fifteen years. I also think that um, you know if the NBL is not quite cutting it for him, the the Swans would be able to spot him in somewhere. 
Yeah, no, he played a bit of footy, mate. Yeah, he did play. <laughs> and he's a twin, right? So maybe because he's, he's his twin brother, Ben, who, but Ben's about six foot three. So still Ben's a big yep, unit. Yep. We'll get him back. Uh, Benny. Yeah, Benny's still a big unit. So uh, having said that, so is the younger sister, Emma. So she's 16 Ben's and she's right. taller than me. So Emma could probably play on the girls' team. So we could yep. recruit that whole side of that family Let's if we bring can. Bring them up, yeah. Get them up to Vietnam and play. So, um, but yeah, Benny's pretty handy. Uh, running around back there in the bush still. And um, obviously Jack and Ben, as twins, played together right. uh, footy when they were growing up as well. So until, as I say, Jack had a bit of a, a, a spring in his in his growth spurt, so to speak. And then, as I say, ended up a few years at the AIS in Australia, down at Canberra. And then um, a season or half a season of Cairns type band. And then shot out, uh, was fortunate enough to get the offer to go to, to Duke. So when he was weighing up his college options. so. Yeah, no, he's been been blessed and met a lot of uh, rock stars over there and yeah. played all over the country and played in Hawaii and, you know, just amazing, you know, played in Canada and, you know, just amazing stories and friendships yeah. he's going to have for the rest of his life. So you've um you've done a couple of trips over while while he's been there playing with Duke. Um, I just want to touch on two of them. Uh, the first one, chronologically, was the, uh, you call it the Zion... Nike Shoegate. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe some of the other people who were, were at the game? And then I'll ask you about your most recent trip. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that, that was a bloody unbelievable night, that, Bill. Uh, to, to be there, so at the Duke University Stadium, which I think has been sold out for the last 417 games or something, and they only play, I think, maybe 10 games at home a year or 11 games home a season. So... But only holds about sort of seven, eight thousand. But some of the other stadiums I've been to over there are holding sort of upwards of twenty-two to twenty-five thousand. Yep. Uh, and they're and they're just being sold out. In particular, when when Zion was there playing. Yep. Anyway, so this game Zion. This was so this was the Duke University uh, um, grudge match, so to speak, when they played the University of North Carolina, UNC, which they yep. their neighbours up the road, and um, I managed to secure a ticket via Jack. Just to swap myself in behind the players' bench. So the first row there behind the players' bench with the rest of the um, the families and, and friends of the of the players. And so I'm there with uh, Zion's mother and his little brother and his stepfather. And wow. um, sitting beside them. And, and obviously, a big raucous applause. There had been rumours around all week that the big, that the big dog was going to be uh, in the crowd. And the big dog being Barack Obama. And uh, lo and behold, yeah, he uh, he met all the players pre-game in the change rooms, and then came out and uh, yeah, sat, took his spot in the cheap seats, so to speak, which were uh, not as good as mine. <laughs> and um, and at that time, you know, the, the tickets because of pretty much the Zion and RJ Barrett factor, yeah, the tickets were selling for about I think that that, that day I was in it was about six and a half thousand US. Wow, and. Just to be there and watch that mm-hmm. game, and and to see, see Zion go down, uh, was really sad. You know, in that first minute, the shoe tear and everything, and then go off, and all the people back, as they start to bag him, you know, about you know this is his college career. Why is he? What was he thinking? He shouldn't have done that. This, that, and the other. It was, um, yeah, it, it was a unique uh, situation to be in, and then. His stepfather sort of went to the change room just to check at how bad it was because we didn't know. And yep. uh, 
had he done his ACL or his medial or snapped something. No one really knew. And uh, then when it came, he came back and grabbed his mum and little brother. Then I thought, gee, this isn't good. This sounds like it's really bad now, you know, and, and everyone was you're in watching, pretty, pretty much a lot of shock. Oh, I'm sitting right beside them, watching wow. this unfold. You know, um, wow. I've got Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather <laughs> was probably just five seats along. He was there with a few of the ex, sort of uh, ex recent players that were playing in the NBA. Yep. Uh, a couple had come down to see the game as well. So Justice wow. Winslow and a guy called Quinn Cook. So, yep. um, so it was really, uh, really sombre feeling. And obviously, from a playing group perspective, they got stung pretty much by that and you know they, they ended up getting beaten but yeah it was one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever been you know seen in my life and very unique to be part of and that's sort of probably be written into folklore I guess as well because yeah. I think Nike Nike overnight you know lost I think on the stock exchange lost sort of like 1.1 billion or something or other wow. so in the, in the value of their share price just because of that alone yep so um yeah, it was it was it was it was pretty mad. It was pretty pretty crazy to be honest. So the the good news is from that moment he uh, wasn't too bad. Came back number one draft. Came pick, back. Has gone toe to toe with LeBron in his first year, and everything's looking pretty rosy. I'd say Nike probably made one point one billion dollars off him this year alone. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and, um, and in and terms of you know much more to come. And as yeah. a, in terms of a you know I, I was lucky. I was lucky to meet him. And have a chat with him and RJ wow. Barrett for that matter, probably two or three times. Yep. And um, and Zion, as a as a as a like a kid who's eighteen or seventeen, I think eighteen years old. And geez, I tell you what, he's pretty grounded, you know, as a as a yeah. as a kid, you know, just so approachable. And I remember at training once, I was watching. I was watching. I went to watch Jack train, and I'd organised one on my trip last year when I was there to watch him train. And, he said, yeah, no worries. And I said, look, I'll just meet you outside after training. And um, anyway, so I'm waiting outside for Jack to come out. And, and RJ and, and Zion came out together. And I, as I said, I'd meet them a few days before after one of the games. And they said, uh, I said, hey, said, hey, you know, in their American accent, hey, you going, you know. Yep, yep, yep. God, it goes, God damn, that accent, man. So I love <laughs> that accent. You just keep talking. You know, so uh, so really, and then we just stopped having a chat. Just, but just as I say, the guys had that much attention. Yeah, um, phenomenal to keep their their heads screwed on and not be super arrogant. You know, blokes about it. You know, yep. so yeah, so really, really lucky to meet them. Really nice guys, super guys. The parents are nice people as well. So uh, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a pretty pretty amazing experience. Very unique. Okay, and uh, during our first attempt at this podcast a couple of months ago, you were literally yes. about to head to the, the US again. Um, yeah. You managed to get the trip in pre-COVID-19 and uh, you, took a Just, special, yeah. you took a special guest along with you, um, the Swans' youngest and fastest midfielder, a.k.a. Will Sullivan. Uh, can yeah. you tell us a little bit how, how the trip was and how, how young Will fared? It, obviously, only things that... that his dad Tommy can can hear. Well, the funny thing was, Bill. This is what I and I and I remember. I was a week out from the trip, and my best mate unfortunately pulled out on me. The prick. Um, <laughs> anyway, and 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 I thought, geez, I really it'd be a great experience you know, if I gave someone to come and share with me, right? And someone yeah. who really appreciated. It. And I thought to myself, God, who would it be? And I know that 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 uh, that, that Will wanted to buy the Zion single yeah. signed single team last year, and 
I'm not sure old Tommy was real didn't, keen. Didn't pony on, up. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was real keen on coughing up the sort of 16, 1800 US that we got for it. So, um, so, um, so I thought, well, next best thing. I know he's a student. Yep. Um, his old man's loaded. Yep. And uh, I said, maybe I'll, I'll ring Tom and see if, you know, if, if Will could come along, you know, if he's interested. Yep. So anyway, this is a week out from the trip, right? Yep. So, so I've called Tommy and, you know, lo and behold, yeah, keen. She's yeah, keen as, right? So I said, fantastic, mate. Book a ticket, get along. He'd never been overseas before. Well, sorry, never been to the oh, US before. So I've never oh, been yeah. yep, that yep. trip. Yeah, I've been to this one in Vietnam, but he'd never been to the US, never been that far away yep. before on a holiday. And he's just jumped in by himself, yep. booked these tickets and... Right. Um, Fantastic, right? But the only catch, Bill, which I realised after I'd committed to him coming, was he's not 21. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So the drinking laws in the US mean you've got to be 21. Terrible travel. So I thought, that is just the worst travelling partner of all time. <laughs> so, so I said to him, I said... Get a fake ID. I said, no, I didn't say that, Bill. I'm law-abiding. I said, Will, I said, just try and grow a bit of facial hair. <laughs> See if you can look a little bit older than, you know, your pimply-faced little kid coming out of Radelaide. And um, lo and behold, no problem. Uh, he grew some facial hair and he rolled into to, uh, to Durham. And, um, yeah, we managed to see three games. Yep. Um, we, saw, uh, we saw Duke play in Durham where he had a chance to – we went out for a few beers actually after the game with, uh, with the players that night and – I think it was quite an eye of an experience for for uh, for Will, just in the way that these kids, you know, and they are kids, you know, they're just treated like rock stars yeah. when they go out, you know, and, and people wanted to buy them drinks and they had a good win that night and this, that and the other. And, you know, I, I was trying to, again, you know, talk to my nephew at the time and it was the night of the fight, the big fight in Vegas, the big heavyweight fight. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Massive. Yep. Yeah. That was the night, one of the nights, that was the night we went out. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, it, was, it was definitely, definitely I had an experience for Will and I got a good photo of Will out in the court, you know, meeting, uh, meeting the seven-foot centre uh, that played this yeah. year who was uh, named, the, uh, named the ACC Rookie of the Year, Freshman of the Year, so who will probably get drafted this year, which is um, uh, a, a great opportunity for, for that young kid, the big, big tank. Yep. So, um, so he'll he'll get drafted, but a chance to be out on court once everyone had left and be in the stadium and meet all the players and mix with the players. So, so you know, it was really uh, great experience for for Will, and I, I know for a fact he's very grateful for that. And I, you know, I'm grateful to, to have him tag along because they got touched up in Winston Salem after that. They were no good, and um, they got beat. They got beat Virginia, and then um, but one thing we did get to do was we went down to San Antonio to look around there, but then. He got to meet an NBA Hall of Famer in uh, in the great David Robinson. Wow! So uh, from San Antonio, yeah, so we saw a Spurs game as well, and saw Patty Mills play down there for the Spurs uh, against the Dallas Mavericks. So uh, yeah, look, it's a really, as I say, a real sports sort of trip, basketball trip, but uh, yeah, fan- a fantastic trip all the same. Great, great. So I'm uh, I'm going to try and throw a little bit of a, a regular segment into this podcast. Just to, Good. to get some, uh, some top of mind uh, thoughts on, on the different Swannies and, and their, their teammates and compatriots at the club. 
Uh, so all I want you to do here is to name the first swan, can be player, can be associate, who comes to mind for each of these words. So uh, here we go. Funny. All right, this should, this should be good. Funny. Who? Who? Uh, that's it. Who would you say? Sorry, funny. You need to name the first one. That oh, sorry, right. right. Who's funny? Jeez. The word is funny. Funny. Uh, uh, well, uh, funny looking, Luke Turner. Yes. Um, as in, but funny, ha-ha. Jeez. Uh, I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say Pitts, John O. Mackay. Ah, true. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Angry. <laughs> oh, where do I start? <laughs> do you only want one person or do you want half a dozen here? Uh, you can name your top of mind and then you can rattle a few that... Oh, geez, by unlucky. far. Top, yeah, by top off of... The, 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 this is an easy choice. You'll agree with this here. By far. Jimmy Best, though, by yeah. far is the angriest swan going what, around. What line angry? Oh, just, just by far. And JB, I would apologise, but I reckon you'd agree with me. Uh, yeah, that's a nod. Um, all right, this one will be close to your heart. Best dressed. Yeah, well, look, Billy, I think I'm leading the benchmark uh, <laughs> in regards can't, to that. Can't name yourself. Um, okay, I'll give a poor second. <laughs> uh, to Gus after the shirt that I saw him with the other day and that beautiful Hawaiian shirt out for drinks with his wife I'm going to give Gus a poor second the rest of us will never live that down uh, lazy yeah. lazy <laughs> again where does it where does it start and stop here um, oh, look jeez oh, if I say him he's going to probably give me a whack when I see him next go for it so well, I was going to say Kero. So, <laughs> so he, he does a power of work off the field, you know, an unbelievable job off the field. But when it comes to game time of playing, geez, you wouldn't exactly say he's actually, he's after, he's not, he, he's after burners don't get much of a run, let's just say that. I think he's there for social pursuits, not a... Yeah, not but he's very good at that, though. Very yeah, good yeah, at that. excels. Uh, this one should be should be close to heart for you. The coach's pet. Yeah, the coach's pet. Now, now I'm, he's gonna he's gonna be surprised when I say this, right? But Vietnamese. Now you probably weren't expecting that. No. But 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 Dinan, yeah, is he's definitely the coach's pet. Can you can you elaborate or? He's also one of the most, uh, would you say, casual players at a training session. He is very casual, but he's not putting his ass to impress the coach. No, but when I when I get stuck into him, right, yeah. or I actually, you know, and I ask him to do something for me that's not football related or off field, yep. he's always very, very helpful to help me out and, and broker a deal for us at the football club. So I, yep. I think yep. Dinan is yep. definitely, definitely one of those. And he's uh, he's been. Incredible booking fields through the the challenges of the first few months of this year too. Not a, yeah, not, a and, not an easy thing to be doing. True, true, and actually, and helping Stevie D lead the way there with getting the Viet boys and, and more yep. Viet boys to training. Yep, both of them doing an amazing job there. The yeah. final, the final one, and this one, I think you might struggle with again. Too many options. Annoying. 
Now, I love you, Bill. I love oh, you, Bill, on. like the brother that I shouldn't have <laughs> never had. But let me say this. When, when you've had six beers in you, you become the most annoying bloke <laughs> that I've ever played football with. Yeah. So, and, and the best part is when you have your 10th beer, which is it's like this one I love you the most, because that's when you fall asleep on your chair. Much better bloke. Much better, 10 times better bloke. And we're just <laughs> thinking, if we leave him here, you know, in Vietnam, my driver having to take down a few times because your captain snooze it up. And, yeah, yeah no, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, you're falling asleep with a watermelon on your head and wearing it as a, as a, as a, as a cricket box as well at one point. So, no, some fond memories of you being the most annoying. And uh, in particular, that one night when I bloody wanted to throw you over the bar. Nothing to do with your football club's uh, performance. Yeah, I didn't say we were rubbish. We were rubbish. We're giving yeah. you guys a go. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank you for all your time tonight. We've gone through through a, a whole heap of uh, Swanee related and, and amazing life experience related stuff. I hope a lot of the Swanee's uh, family find find the insights fascinating into our our current coach. Um, I'm really hoping that we'll see you sometime this year for a little bit of footy. Uh, for sure, 100%. Otherwise, we'll end up somehow doing a, a Zoom game of football at the end of the year. Um, yeah. But thank you very much for your time and everything that you've done for the club. No, Bill, it's been an absolute delight. I've enjoyed every... Well, I've enjoyed 99% of it because, uh, yeah, look, it's been a... But we've got a we've got a fantastic club. We've got a weird bunch of characters. We've got a <laughs> really good core base of blokes as well um, that keep the club together. And you're certainly a big part of that. So uh, I hopefully maybe this next episode that uh, I can reverse roles here of the if the podcast and maybe uh, you be number two guest and we hear more about your journey uh, with the Swans. The most annoying Swan. Yeah, honk honk. How good is Rocket? Massive thanks to him. Massive thanks to you for listening to our first ever podcast. There are thousands more colourful characters throughout our club's history and we hope to catch up with them in future episodes. Keep an eye on our Facebook, website and subscribe wherever you found this podcast to catch those episodes. Even more massive thanks must go to the Swans' incredible sponsors. Our club can only do the things we do on and off field with the support of these guys. So we would love everyone in our community to use their business whenever you get a chance. They all do a brilliant job at what they do, so you can't go wrong. Our 2020 major sponsors are Wide-Eyed Tours, the best Indochina specialised travel agent out there, Vietnam Backpacker Hostels, the most incredible budget accommodation you'll ever find with great locations throughout Vietnam, the Alfrescos Group, who provide the best Western food here in Vietnam, including an amazing delivery service if you're still staying at home, Beachside Boutique Resort, Club Hall of Famer, Travi Fennell's Paradise on Andang Beach in Hoi An. It's a must stay if you're in that part of the world. And we've got two new sponsors in 2020, which is an incredible, incredible result given the circumstances of, of this year. HMS Host International, led by Jono, the funniest swans old man, who manage hospitality chains in the region, including Burger King, who have seemingly been sponsoring our president, Fullback and Charmac through the lockdown. And TAL Apparel, 
Thanks to Big Jimmy up in Hanoi. They're a fantastic apparel manufacturer bringing the latest technologies, fabric innovations and quality together to achieve outstanding results. They're at the pointy end of apparel production, both here and internationally. Like I said, check out these guys, use them where you can, you will not be disappointed. Stay safe wherever you are, keep honking your horn and let's make sure we're singing this song together as soon as possible. Give